You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Daniela Handel. Danielle, thanks so much for being with me today. Hi, Bernard. Thank you so much for including me. Danielle, we're going to talk about your show at Clamp Art. Um, the exhibition is called Engaños, and, and let's just talk about that, you know, that, that title. Where, where is that title um, coming from? I mean, as, as I know about that word, it means something to do with something that isn't the truth, uh, uh, but, but but tell me, what, what does that mean in um, in the context of, of your show and these works? And, you know, it, it, took, it took me a while to come up with a title, actually, because I, uh, there's so many things that inform the project. So I was really trying to find just the right word, just the right title. And, and um, engaños is Spanish for deception or illusions. And since the project sort of includes uh, this optical illusion, it, kind of, it really made sense. Um, so what, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about was this book that I read in my 20s. And, and it's, it's a French novel, but I, I'm not sure I can pronounce it in French. But in, in English, it's translated into against the grain or sometimes against nature. And so I'm, I'm referencing a particular chapter in that book where the protagonist, has this sort of obsession with, uh, with flowers. And, and I can tell you a little bit more about that, but it, it comes with this idea of like what's real and what's fake or what's authentic and what is not. So I've been thinking about a lot of those ideas and that's where kind of the source of the, the, the concept and the project comes from. And so in Ghana, this made sense. Also, I grew up in Latin America, so I wanted the title to, to kind of sort of have sort of a connection to my heritage and it just felt there was all these um, associations that I thought were really quite wonderful because the, the, the word for flower arrangements in Spanish is arreglos and so engaños has a very similar, similar sound to that and so it felt like engaños and arreglos that there weren't real flowers, there were an optical illusion, it just, just felt really right for the project. And let's talk more about that. That 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 book also sounds fascinating because you're 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 pulling from that book to to some degree, right? This this idea of um, of a sort of flower obsession too, as a as a form of, of of beauty or 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 something else, because it's heavily symbolic as as well as almost um, uh, you know, sort of a, a, about what is beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, uh, yes, and, you know, like, and this flower just made a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about that one particular chapter for many, many, many years, and I always wanted to do something that had to do with with that idea of um, like what is be- what is beautiful, and is it something that is man-made or what what something that comes from nature? What is more beautiful? And uh, this idea of pursuing art and having a career, making beautiful things, or pursuing your own curiosity and obsessions. You know, like, that, that was like an interesting subject for me. But also, you know, like now that we've like, uh, the pandemic really was like something that was something in my mind and the shutdowns and all the, all the difficulties that come with it. You know, obviously some people like 
experienced much more challenging and struggled more with those those years of the shutdown and the pandemic. And uh, I just was thinking flowers were, were made a lot of sense because they, they there was a lot of symbolism in the flowers. It could be like they could express loss, but it could also express uh, like a celebration. And so like it just makes sense to sort of like use that as a symbolic sort of gesture uh, after a pandemic. I love that the pandemic was such a kind of odd time, you know, it's, it's hard to even sort of think about what that, what that was in a way. And I was talking to artists throughout the whole pandemic and, and some people were, were saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist I'm in my studio and I'm still in my studio. So it's not that much different. And other people were, we're going crazy. Well, I thought I just wanted to be in my studio, but I'm actually going a little nuts because I can't really go out. And, um, and yeah, so, so that's quite profound in a way, really. Uh, th- that sounds almost like an homage or, or it could be a, a, a memorial, but that's, um, this is then, in a sense, post-pandemic work. It, it has everything to do with the, the pandemic in some sense. Yeah, yeah, no, for, for sure. You know, like in, I, when, when I work on my projects, I try to, there are a few things that I that I try to do. I try to think of my own personal life and what's happening in my life and the things that I'm curious about and the, the things that I'm listening to and reading about and observing. And I sort of take that in and then I try to put that in context in terms of what's happening in the world. You know, so like one of the things that I found really interesting is when I go to see a, a well-curated exhibition, I, I like to, to read and listen to what the curators were we're thinking about when they're putting an exhibition together. And like, for example, if it's not a contemporary exhibition, and I, I love listening to like music that is associated with the time when the work was made or what was happening politically or culturally. And then I try to imagine what, what the artist's life was like at the time. And so like, I think it's interesting to sort of, when I make my own work, to sort of think of that in terms of context of like, what, what was it like to be in New York in 2020? 2020, 2021, 2022, you know, um, so what, what, was, what was that like? And, and I don't think my project specifically says, oh, what that, that was specifically like, uh, what, that, what our lives are specifically like. But like, if you break it apart, there are like aspects of it, you know? So like, for example, like the use of corrugated was something that I felt was also like a sort of like symbolic, you know, like there's a couple of things that I was, sort of tackling at the time when I make that decision. Uh, they were initially going to be made out of wood. And then um, I, was trying to, I was trying to speak to a carpenter about it, and I was trying to, like, explain to him, you know, can you help me build a box? And, and the box is going to be like this, and then when I'm done with the box, I'm going to take a photograph, and then it's going to be framed like this. I was trying to explain like, what my idea was like, and I just found, found that whenever I explain it, people are having a really hard time. I do not understand what you mean. And so I did a prototype out of the corrugated box to sort of show what I was thinking about. And then when I took a photograph and kind of went through the process, I was thinking, oh, wow, this is like, this is like something that I, I, think, I feel like really works. And, and I think it works for, for different reasons, in, in part because I feel like we all have this sort of like conflicting relationship with corrugated, you know, like, it's, it's, we, you know, we order things on Amazon, they arrive on Amazon, and particularly during the pandemic, it was something that was kind of a life source, you know, like it, and, and also um, a way for us to continue 
buying the things we needed or groceries or, or whatever you needed. And also at the same time, you know, like we have to recycle it. So there's ideas of like the environment and taking care of um, making sure that, you know, at least in New York, we have to separate our trash. It's like it's corrugated and paper and metal and glass, you know, that kind of thing. And so like how, what, that, what this feels like, I always have corrugated in my house and I was trying to get rid of it. And I was thinking, what would it be like to, to take this material that is, has all this sort of like loaded meaning during the pandemic and then also speaks to sort of like to create a process, you know, like to sort of like kind of like show how like an idea comes together, you know, like I'm revealing how the box is made in a way because I, I show the ridges of the, the corrugated at the front. And so that's where it gives the optical illusion. So that's some of, some of the things that I was thinking about when I was working on the project. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and and so to talk to keep talking a little bit about against the grain, um, I know in the in the press release it said it was also about coming to terms with with queerness and and so that's also uh, a narrative that's running through that a bit, isn't it? Or or no? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like when I when I read the book, the, I, I don't have you read have you have you read that novel? This I I, I think it's somewhere. I haven't. I haven't read against much. the grain. Yeah, a French novelist. I have. I haven't read it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how many people have, but you know, like when I read it, I um, and then it's not like it's not like a a queer novel, but like when I read it, I was coming out of the I was coming out of the closet, and to me, it read like it had some queer undertones, you know, and 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 I think it had to do with the fact that the protagonist, the 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 and the, the one and only character, really, well, the main character, there's some secondary characters, but kind of just um, what he, he kind of like rejects conformity and embraces his individuality that I feel like it's sort, sort of integral to the, to, to the queer experience. And I was coming out, so I was still not super well-versed with this thing, but it kind of resonated with me. And so then I, I, I thought about that for a long time. And then also around that time was when I was making a decision to pursue a life of making art. And so it's kind of connected to me coming out and also making the decision to become an artist and then also thinking about this idea of what's real and what is artificial. And then that idea of what's real versus what is artificial then took on even a more loaded context recently with this sort of, with this sort of like um, uh, phenomena of like the idea of fake news, you know, and how we all sort of have like our lives are not only just on, on, on the real world, but also like in the digital sphere through the internet and social media. And so this idea of like what's real and what's artificial, this kind of t- took an even more loaded uh, sort of meaning. And so I, I felt like also that was something that informed my project. That's the, yeah, that's really fascinating. You know, I mean, when you talk about like that, that, that book and, I haven't read that, but you know, I've read books around that time, like Oscar Wilde too, where where there's this, um, you know, they couldn't talk about being gay, queer, right? It was it was veiled. It was it was it was, um, you know, in, in that literature there was a specific way of talking about it, right? That that was not talking about it really. Is, yeah, isn't that kind of also what you're yeah. saying, right? They, they were kind of trying to say it, and, and, and even you know, maybe the title hints at it, but it's not saying it because 
um, they probably, you know, would have been, um, I, I don't know, prosecuted or something then too. So it has also that, 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 that odd ring of when uh, it, it was so oppressive, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, like, uh, I, uh, you know, it's sort of interesting, you know, because I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, but, you know, like, uh, I, I did do a little bit of research when I, and I thought about the book for many years, but I didn't really sort of, like, investigate it further. I just thought, oh, this is such an interesting idea. And then I was, when I started to work on Engaños, I, you know, I, I had to do a little bit more research. So, so it's sort of interesting because um, um, it, it, it's sort of, the, the main character is based on an actual real person. And, and his name is Comte de Montesquieu. I'm, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. But he was, he was a gay man. He had a, a long-term relationship. Uh, and he was out in society. And people knew about the fact that he was in a gay relationship and he was very eccentric, he was a poet, and he was actually amused to a lot of artists. And actually, um, uh, Oscar Wilde, so one of the characters is actually based on him as well. Um, it's actually He's based on Oscar, was, Oscar Wilde, you mean, who was, yeah, who was his... Uh, yeah, so, so, like the, so the character, I forget the name of the character, but the, the character tells... Oscar Wilde, you know, do not read this book. It will corrupt your soul. And, and, and uh, it, it's referencing against the grain. So, like, so the picture of Dorian Gray, Dorian Gray makes reference to against the grain, you know, a little bit. And so, like, I, I thought it was really interesting. So I did a little bit more research on, on the, the person that inspired these characters. And, and, uh, and he was really a quite fascinating person. Um, and he was asking, you know, at the time. Right, right, right. That's so interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, congratulations on this show. It's it's really, you know, a, a big show too, right? This is this is an enormous amount of work uh, over over quite a amount of time, I, I would think, right? As a as a series, it's it's of course something else, right? As a as a show, you're you're walking into, you know, a room that's that's filled with flowers. <laughs> right, that has its own um, uh, feeling to it. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because you know, there's all the there's all the the work, but then yeah, you're walking into something that's either you know I don't know like a wedding, a memorial, uh, but yeah, but yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot, a lot of flowers has has its own feeling to it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's interesting you use the word memorial and wedding too. It's kind of like what I was mentioning to you earlier, how like flowers can take on different meanings. Um, but, you know, like, uh, I was sourcing a lot of the flowers from the flower district here in New York. On 28th Street, there's all these flower shops. And, you know, when I started working on the project, I was, like, thinking, um, well, like, I'm not sure how, I mean, I'm not really, like, familiar with how to make flower arrangements. So how do I do this? And I'd, I'd just go to the flower shop, and I would get all these flowers. I mean, one of the things that I found was really kind of difficult was that, I like had this idea. I was like, well, you know, like I took photograph, I took this red, red flowers. I'm, I'm gonna pick some purple flowers, and I had this idea of like, I'm gonna change it up. I'm make this different type of picture this time. And then I go to the flower shop, and I, I'd be like, I couldn't pick a picture. I couldn't pick a flower because there were like so many beautiful flowers, flowers that I wasn't, I didn't even, I never even seen before. And it was like such an exciting experience to kind of walk into this flower shop and be like, and it's just filled with like 
flowers. And, and you know, I'm working on this project year round. So like sometimes it's in the middle of winter and I like to go in to the flower shops and you see all these like incredible colors and, and obviously flowers are seasonal and some of them are imported. So like you're getting like flowers that are not like blooming in New York, but like it's really quite exceptional to just enter a space filled with flowers, you know? And so like, that's one of the things that I was thinking about, like how special it is to, to be surrounded by such a wide variety of flowers, you know, and, 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 and also like this idea of um, uh, individuality, like every flower is different and beautiful for its own like way of like blooming, you know, and, and I feel like this, uh, that relates back to what I was saying to you earlier about this queer experience. And, and I mean, it, it, and it's, it's not just a queer experience, but it's so integral to the queer experience queer experience because we we sort of like fight that naturalness of who we are deep 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 in down deep deep inside when we're younger you know and now when we hopefully as we mature we just celebrate that individuality and it's it's such a a core aspect of that experience yeah so true um and, and beautifully put i I want to thank you, Daniel, for for putting on this show. Daniel, it's a, it's a, you know, it looks gorgeous. And and I want to ask you one more question before we go, which is, uh, what are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading a Candy House, or the Candy House. It's by Jennifer Egan. That's a novel. Yes, it's it's um, sci sci-fi. Uh, time travel? No, it's not time travel. Sorry, I was thinking about the previous book I read, but it's it's about um, uh, one of the characters develops uh, a device where people can upload and share their memories. So it's, it's like it feels a little bit for like social media and the internet. So it's like a, a little bit about that. I want to thank you so much for talking to me today, Daniel. It's really been a pleasure. I wish you well with the show. For listeners, there's more links here to. Uh, to find out more information. But thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for including me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.